Welcome to Eco-Activist Journeys. My name is Leah and I'm your show host. Today, I invite you to join me in a discussion with Kate Wilcox, a museum's professional and postgraduate museum student at the University of St. Andrews. We discuss the topic of museums and the climate crisis, how to communicate climate change, what we can do about climate anxiety, and how to drive societal changes from within different sectors in society. I really learned a lot through this discussion about how museums can and have to play a role in these societal shifts. And um, Kate also shared some really interesting case studies of museums and galleries that have done this successfully. So I hope you all stick around for the journey and without much further ado, let's just dive right into the discussion. Welcome to Ecoactivist Journeys, Kate. Um, I'm really excited to have you here today and to discuss, yeah, the topic of museums and sustainability um, in here, which I think for probably a lot of people doesn't seem like an inherently topic that kind of comes together. So I'm really interested and excited to sort of hear you explain that a bit more and hopefully, um, yeah, raise awareness about that intersection of two different very different fields, uh, what, what seems like for a lot of people, very different fields. Um, but yeah, just to start off, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself, uh, what you do and yeah, what got you interested in looking at sustainability in particular? Thanks so much for having me on, Leah. Um, I am such a fan of your like work that you've done at the University of St. Andrews um, with you know, climate strikes and line in the sand. I got to participate in that. I know you've organized that. So just want to start off with a thank you with that. Um, but yeah, like you were a, a student here at the University of St. Andrews. I'm right now a postgraduate in their museum and gallery studies program. Um, and I used to also be a museum professional in a science museum back in my home state of Texas in the United States. Uh, but now I'm here and um, studying yeah, museums and climate change and climate action. Um, but yeah, I guess the first thing is I got excited um, and interested in looking at sustainability and at climate change specifically. Um, kind of from my my own experience, right? Um, I think, you know, what we heard a lot with COP26, the narrative was kind of a lot, of, a lot of future forecasting almost, right? It was a lot of talk about saving the planet for like our grandchildren, um, but people are being affected by it right now. Um, and, and we can see that, right? Um, I don't think that's a narrative that we talk a lot about in the global north, um, even though the people, especially in the global south, are being affected by that. Um, but yeah, like growing up in Texas, uh, there was a, there's lots of uh, extreme weather events happening in Texas um, that I don't get think get a lot of national coverage. Um, like for instance, in 2015, um, I, there was the Texas Oklahoma flooding that happened, and uh, like we were affected. There was 390 homes that had to be evacuated in my hometown, right, due to this extreme flooding that we just weren't prepared for at all. Um, and then you've, now this one did make maybe national coverage. I don't know if it made international coverage, so you'll have to let me know. But have you heard about the the fallout of um, what we call the snow apocalypse back in Texas, which uh, was when the winter storm Uri uh, came in and there was just a complete systematic failure of uh, the state's privatized uh, electric grid. And it left was that recently? Yeah, that was, uh, yeah. was in 2000, um, 2021. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, so then so, I think I do remember hearing about it. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I had been in Scotland and then I went back home um, over the holidays and, and I got trapped in Texas and, and then had to go through that, you know, with all those other people who, you know, complete system power outages. And of course, like anything with related to climate change or extreme weather events, we it just kind of laid bare the inequities and the complete failure of the system and how it disproportionately affects people, right? So one of the big images that came out of that was uh, Texas Senator Ted Cruz fleeing to Cancun when, you know, everyone else was, you know, I was in line for drinking water and, you know, things like that. We were trying to melt snow to, to flush our toilets, you know, things like that. So I think I got really angry during that time, you know, and um, I think since then I've I've really escalated on trying to do as much work as possible to kind of 
raise public awareness uh, through museums. Yeah. Yeah, that's I think uh, that's that's really interesting to hear, because I do think some of these things like if you start experiencing weather, extreme weather events that are related to climate change, for example, like I think it really puts a new perspective onto the whole issue. Um, and I think I, I really like, yeah, I, I agree with you like this. I think there's this inherent understanding all of us have about, oh, you know, it's a bad thing. But then you start to really realize, you know, how much it, it I guess it affects the most basic needs. Like when I was in South Africa and there was the water crisis and then suddenly in Cape Town like and it was sort of in the national news of potentially being the first like modern city to run out of water and I think you know that sort of thing really makes you realize it's something that for example here in Scotland you take very much for granted like water is there's no, there's no shortage of water but then you yeah. suddenly have people that literally have to like line up in queues um, for hours and hours to try and get drinking waters from wells or even around that like limitation of having people like how much water you could use every single day and I think that always yeah brings a lot of perspective into an issue like that so it's kind of interesting to see you had like almost the opposite of that with with snow. <laughs> so. Yeah and <laughs> thank you for referencing that too because I think that just brings up such a point about like empathy right like why did I have to experience it firsthand for me to get angry about it like you know the science is there um the education is there I am you know and we're in an extremely privileged position though here in Scotland where we don't usually see the effects we can hear about it but it really takes an emotive response from people to learn and to act and i think that's why museum education is so important is because the emotion uh, part of that but we'll get to that later <laughs> yeah um no i think yeah that that's really interesting and i and i think yeah definitely something we should dive into a little bit deeper in terms of like what actually makes people respond to to something like this because i guess there's almost that feeling there's so much news uh, in the media around like apocalyptic things that sometimes it feels like people try and shut off almost in some yeah. ways if they see a really bad headline around like, okay, well, this is not on my immediate priority. So I think, yeah, it's, it's interesting to look. And I think something interesting, this these two story highlight as well, I think is the fact that, you know, climate change doesn't look the same around the world. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for some areas, it means suddenly dealing with weather events that related to snow and then another it means drought and then another means flooding so it's not just like heat wave across the uh, across the world so I think that's something really interesting that I think it highlights as well but yeah let's get into the question that I wanted to ask like more specifically okay you're interested in sustainability but like what got you interested in looking at sustainability particular within the setting of museums yeah um I think it first started with my my first job within a museum right after my undergraduate degree, I went to work for Thinkery Science Museum, uh, which was in Austin, Texas. It was such a dream job. I really enjoyed it. Um, I was um, working as a coordinator within the public programs department, right? Um, and so that was all about uh, community stakeholders and communication. So. Um, my job, I was managing over 60 different community guest presenters for our summer camp program. So I was, you know, trying to bring in different community voices um, into the museum space for children. So pre-K through fifth grade. So that's like 12 year olds uh, for the UK audience out there. Um, and so, you know, and they would and then we would also coordinate field trips too to go out into the community and, you know, we would go out to an engineering lab at the university and these kids would hear from engineers. We went to a surgery center and like the kids, you know, put on their little um, hairnets and like went into the surgery center and like had a, a doctor calmly explain it. And so it was just trying to get the community involved in children's education as well and to to show right to 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 and participate in, in that as well and i think um that was really interesting to, to be a part of and and one of our programs was more geared to sustainability and things and so we had community partners with like the farmers market right and so that was kind of my first um as a museum professional looking at that and like I got to listen and learn along with the kids as well, right? And from these communities. Um, and as you expand your network, you know, you're learning from all these different community members and you learn from one and then it goes on to another and it just kind of snowballs, right? And so um, that was a really exciting job. And 
that I loved and it showed it showed me the impact of of what it's like for museum education to involve communities. Um, and then I also got um, involved at the University of Texas had a department of uh, entertainment technologies and they had they allowed me to to audit this course um, to, to take part in it because I was really interested in how they were using an escape room as a way of talking mm -hmm. about climate change. I know it's, wow. it's yeah, it's cool. Um, so it was funded by uh, Planet Texas 2050, which was this eight year project looking at um, extreme weather events and what the university could do um, specifically like interdisciplinary. So bringing scientists and the humanities together to kind of like come up with creative solutions. And so this project was looking at um, using an escape room to emotionally connect our audiences to current and future environmental issues. So like the escape room itself, you were in like the scientific uh, observatory off the coast, uh, off the, the coast of uh, Galveston, kind of in the Gulf of Mexico and recreating this like very emotive response. Um, but then we also were trying to empower the participants who took part in that to, um, to, to, to actually learn from it and, you know, have a post game debrief and, and talk about what they could do um, as individuals, um, you know, and have a resource guide available to them as well. So that that was so much fun. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really interesting because I think it's just such a, uh, I think sometimes if you hear about like education around climate change, it sort of feels like you supposed people supposed to sit in a lecture theater and hear about some scientists talking. And I think this just kind of shows like there's some really innovative ways to, communicate messages and I think that's I mean kind of yeah it's fascinating how to use kind of like a game or something like that to get people like I guess involved but also like kind of emotive around the topic like I don't know I know yeah. this is kind of a te technicality but just I wanted to know like what what is it with a with the escape room like how did it what were people trying to like I guess work in like escape from with regards to like the context of climate change yeah, yeah. So like the, the the story, the gameplay itself, right, was that these people were taking on the role of these researchers who there was an impending storm coming in um, and they were trying to uh, transfer data from this observatory because apparently they had very bad practices and only had it located on one like computer device, right, in this observatory. And they had to transfer the data before the storm came in, you know. Um, and so, but it kind of involved some facts as well, you know, through that, like through the data and whatnot um, but it really was mostly to first get an emotive response first to like you know also we involved the oral histories um, after in the debrief there's oral histories from people um, affected by Hurricane Harvey which uh, hit um, Texas really hard and I mean we still see the effects today of, of you know the just the devastation that happened and so it wasn't as far off you know wasn't really as fictitious as uh, as you know, an outsider might think, you know, going into this place, we were really kind of, you know, in a fun way, but also really referencing a, a, a serious thing that had happened to our community. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard to, to explore that, right? Because it's, it, yeah. it's a deeply emotional response that people will have. It's, it's, we, we phrase it as a game and we phrase it as imagination to to work through it, you know. Yeah, but I, I guess like even like at the moment in our current setting, like all of these, what kind of maybe seems like a game plan, like is becoming really serious in terms of like environmental responses and yeah, just all of things that are happening with climate change escalating and just, yeah, political like systems as well. And like there's a lot of reality in some of this, discussion around like yeah it's obviously we like ideally we want to stop all of these things from happening but it's it's just I guess a, yeah a way to to sort of highlight and the, the, the very realness of it as well so yeah that's that's really interesting um my other piece of work was with the Scotia group, which you also were a part of, um, which was delightful. Um, but we were in different research groups. So yeah. my mine what uh, was a policy recommendation group. I guess I should clarify the Scotia group was like we were research fellows. There's a team of I think there was like maybe 20 or 30 of us and we were split into different groups of like four or five people and able uh, 
to look at um, policy recommendations that we could make uh, ahead of COP26, right? Yeah. Did, did I explain that correctly? Yeah, no, 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 that, that, that's good. Um, I think that, yeah, good that you also explained it because I think when we say Scotia Group, it's not something that's very well known probably to a lot of people because it was a very, I guess, a very new innovative group of people yeah. that gathered together really of some pretty cool experts and high profile people from around the world and then also students from everywhere. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I kind of feel like that's how we like first connected through Scotia Group, even though we were in different, like, uh, I guess, research groups in like, projects I guess but like yeah yours was in loss and damage right yeah (laughs) which I guess relates a lot to to what we're talking about as well but yeah we looked at the topic of um, loss and damage from climate change and sort of making recommendations for COP26 but also beyond Um, and kind of interestingly now I feel like through Scotia this has become a topic I've become really passionate about exploring further as well so that's great yeah i i was really lucky too that my group decided to look at kind of increased disclosures uh from the private sector on their like climate uh, mitigation targets and you know just about transparency right um and i that's something i feel really passionate about in museums as well i think museums need to be the most transparent of institutions um so it was really it was really good to like actually talk about empowering individuals to keep you know their institutions accountable and how can that happen so yeah I I felt really good about that too. I guess that leads us really well into the next question around like what do you actually see museums uh, what do you see the role of museums in in communicating climate change or just in climate change in the climate change narrative in general because I feel like um, because museums are often framed as I guess um, communicating history so the past um, I think it's probably for many people it doesn't seem like a very like I mean probably myself including until I really got to talk to you <laughs> around like what what is the link between yeah museums and, and climate change and what do you see sort of as the role of museums yeah thank you for such a fun question um I hope you're ready for me to nerd out about this because this, I love talking about this right so the, the role of museums uh, with climate change and climate action. Um, I've kind of split my answer into three different things because first off, it's what do we want to be as museums? Like what do we what do we want to be doing with climate action? Um, but where are we from? Where are we coming from this topic? And then also the reality of where we're at right now. Um, so in today's museums, we want to be socially responsible organizations, right? Because mm. museums are built from the public trust, right? They're built in uh, perpetuity as well, right? We're thinking of museums as these um, long, they're, they're, we always think they're going to be there. They're built to, mm. to chronicle our, our human experience, right? Um, I think it's also important to note that the collections themselves they're owned by the public, you know. I don't think that gets talked about enough. Um, I think that the Manchester Art Gallery specifically does a really good job of involving the public and saying, "This is your museum. We're, you are, this. You're not only our audience. You own this place. This is this is built for you and by you, and you know this is held in the public trust." Mm-hmm. Um, and so, with that, the that means that the cultural sector not only you know, records and catalogs culture, but it is also actively influencing it as well. Um, so with society facing all these problems of, you know, climate change, poverty, inequality, intolerance, discrimination, all of these intersections, right? Because um, they're, they're not silos, they're, you know, there's all these complex systems and systematic oppression going on here. Uh, but Museums are here to help us understand, debate, and challenge those concerns. Um, we're trying to enhance everyone's lives and break down barriers to access. We have all these high ambitions of things we want to do, um, you know, and and really make sure that we're actively involving public participation and we're serving those people. That's that's our mission. That's mm-hmm. you know whether you're a history museum, an art museum, science museum, they're all built for the public, right? Mm-hmm. Um, problem though <laughs> um that's what the modern the postmodern today's museum is living up to those are the, that's especially within the us uk museology that's really what we're we're about um 
But we have to recognize that that's not how museums started. Um, so we have to recognize museums came from legacies of exploitation, right? Before we can really move further, we have to recognize our own institutional, um, to practice institutional critique and to realize um, through critical pedagogical practice that we've been complicit um, in this for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, one of the things that's crucial to note specifically for like British museums, um, they've grown out of this like Victorian ideals, right? And um, so like the South Kensington museums uh, were built um, for like the, the World's Fair, right? Out of these great exhibitions and things. Um, that celebrated industry and nationalism and capitalism, consumerism mm -hmm. and empire. Um, and a lot of that has led to a lot of the problems we've got today. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and so, you know, like I pulled a specific quote that I, that I always like refer back to, um, but this was like Prince Albert's address uh, when he uh, decided to have like, went, he bequeathed the the South Kensington institutions, right? Which is this this famous campus in London of museums. But he says it's they were built to carry on successful competition through the application of science, um, with the growing necessity that the nation could afford um, its manufacturers the acquiring the knowledge. Um, so that it was built for the industrial struggle of nations, right? And mm -hmm. so to assert dominance and economic and political dominance and the museums were supposed to do that. That's what they were intended for. Yeah, I think that's an important point to kind of highlight in the sense that like, I guess the historical um, legacy that museums sort of carry with them in terms of like, yeah, being very imperialistic and also called sort of having a political agenda in some ways. You know, I think sometimes it's easy to look at museums and think, oh, telling a story of something in the past, but it just has a really interesting, like, I guess, colonial legacy um, very often as well and a political um, narrative behind that, even though it kind of seems like it can be impartial, like the discussions and the things that are portrayed in museums are really not at all. Um, impartial so I think yeah. yeah that's really important that you're highlighting right. that yeah and and so this is luckily um you know this is something that as museum professionals like I'm right now at university studying museum studies so um we're looking at as museum professionals you know how to apply a critical lens to our institutions to identify those political agendas and and really question like can an institution that was born out of a trade show practice commercial neutrality right mm -hmm. so we have to look at those legacies to be able to look at like, let's say oil sponsorship, right? Mm. Is something yeah. that's, yeah. So being able to acknowledge these roots that we have, these foundational, you know, problems that we have in our institutions is how we're going to be able to, to make change, you know, but we have to acknowledge where we've come from. Um, so we have what we want museums to be, what we aspire to be, kind of the ugly past that we've come from. Um, but then I also want to acknowledge, you know, where are museums now um, within the climate change uh, scope? And so I recently went to this uh, conference in Manchester that was hosted by the National Museums Director Council, um, and it was looking at uh, museums and galleries uh, facing the ecological and climate crisis. Um, and one of the speakers was uh, Henry McGee um, from Curating Tomorrow. And one of the things that he highlighted that I thought was really important to bring up here is that museums need to have a rethink about how they operate fundamentally um, to be able to be sustainable, right? Um, a lot of the short-term growth of our project-based work, so, you know, tourism, um, all these crowds coming in, travel coming in, congestions of people, um, and then the capital projects with these, you know, blockbuster buildings and architecture going on. And then even within the scenes at every different level, right, we need to kind of reevaluate what, what our operations are um, because it's often at odds with sustainable development. So we need to be more cognizant of the long view and, and really strike a better balance uh, between the people, the planet and prosperity of, of the institution itself, you know. 
So I thought that was a really good call to action. Um, and I think, you know, there's a lot of case studies to be made. Um, one is that the Design Museum in London has already done so much operational wise um, to, and, and they're very transparent as well in their operations and how they have um, changed um, some of their practices to really um, become more sustainable. So I, I would encourage anybody to, to look into the Design Museum and um, geek out with me on their on their practices. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. I think um, it's a really, museums do hold a very important role, I guess, within societal change and within society in general. So it's important that those sort of actors are taken, I guess, forward in this, um, yeah, in this narrative of climate change. And yeah, uh, obviously a challenge on how to do that well uh, and address that in, um, in conjunction with a whole lot of other societal issues that museums still have to and continue to address. So I think, yeah, that is really interesting. Um, on the note of you sort of recommending that, what, like talking a little bit about different museums, is there an example of like a museum or an exhibition that you think uh, communicated, I think things around climate change um, and sustainability really well that you would say, oh, this was quite inspiring. Um, I saw that and this is how it can be done sort of to give an example around that. Yes, I have three examples that I've brought for you. I'm very excited to talk about all of them because I, I'm deeply passionate about how how successful they've been, and I, I hope that they can be inspiration and case studies um, going forward. Right. So the first one I want to highlight is um, the exhibition um, is from the Natural History Museum in London. Right. So, um, and it's called Our Broken Planet: How We Got Here and uh, ways to fix it. So right away, the oh. first, yeah, the first thing okay. is, is, I know, yeah, the title. I kind of really feel like I'm gonna have to like write all of these down and like go to these places now, but continue. Please <laughs> do. Um, I actually, it, it was really great at the same conference, um, I got to hear directly from the curator of Our Broken Planet and, and somebody was asking like, that's a, that's a pretty tough title. Are you sure you want families and children to come in and, and the first thing they hear is Our Broken Planet? And the curator was really strongly said, yeah, um, because what they did is they would listen to the audiences, right? They listened to specifically, they had a survey done with like school children and things. And something that they got was the audience were, were asking, don't sugarcoat it, don't hide it from us. We want to know what's happening and we need to know what's going on. You know, be very clear with us. Um, and our broken planet was a very clear message. So they stuck with it. Um, despite some backlash. So good on them. Um, but yeah, so Our Broken Planet is really interesting because it, use, it utilizes um, the, scient the scientists that work within the Natural History Museum. So there are 40 scientists who are um, within this exhibition showcasing what their projects are, right? Um, that they're working on. And they're doing that using like a university, the, the different collections to uh, showcase um, their research, right? So like one was um, a, they had a natural specimen of a coffee plant to talk about um, uh, the researcher and how they were working on um, sustainable coffee and like the impact of coffee, you know, um, on the climate crisis and things like that. Um, I thought it was really great though, because um, it was, there was personal testimonies from the scientists themselves. There were pictures, every every single um, of these 40 different kind of case studies within this museum ex exhibition had a personal testimony and a photo of the scientists. Um, and it was really great in that it humanized the science so much, you know. Um, it was really great to see the faces behind the research and to realize that their personal investment and their personal work that was going into this, that it was individuals like us. Some of them looked like us too. There was a lot of diversity represented uh, within that exhibition, which I found really encouraging. Um, and I can only imagine, you know, like audiences reactions to that, right? I mean, representation is so important. Um, and especially, you know, that's something that's been really hard in STEM specifically. And mm -hmm. so to see to see that 
in the exhibition was, I felt really empowering for audiences. Um, and then there was also, you know, um, it was very people focused. So there was a mode of storytelling through these sharing of human experiences. Um, and it was calling upon visitors to commit to make individual changes as well. So at, towards the end of the exhibition, they had um, a, like a gallery table that was like full of prompts and note cards and pens for visitors to leave their own reflections and then to commit to part different like um, actions um, in this interactive display. Um, so it was they were encouraged to make commitments um, before they left the exhibition um, to like reduce their own meat consumption or take public transport, things like that. So I found that was really encouraging. Yeah. No, I think you, you I really like that when I guess climate change is brought in with like a narrative of a story of like the people behind it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important. Like, yeah, it's, an, it's also really good to, to guess I just lay bare, like, I guess the, the scientific facts, but I think what makes it real, um, is the stories, you know, it's people behind it, it's people that are researching and that are affected by it. And I think it's so important to sort of hear stories and faces um, behind climate change, because like you said, it also highlights the fact that it's not just about, yeah, I guess future generations, it's very much about realities happening right now. So, yeah. so that's really important, yeah. And I think, you know, I think it gives a message of hope as well, because you're seeing these people and they look like you, they sound like you, they, you know, it's accessible in a way that, you know, you could become a scientist or you could be involved in this, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of the educational programming and messaging that went into the exhibition was really, um, was, was really great at pushing that narrative and, and, and really encouraging, um, especially like, school groups going in that that's that they're you know one of their main demographics and that's yeah so hopeful for me yeah um the next one i want to talk about so we've talked about science museums and i want to look at contemporary art um so one of the things i wanted to talk about was uh the exhibition we are history which explores race colonialism and climate change so packing a lot in there, mm -hmm. uh, it was really good. So it was at the Somerset House also in London. Um, and I went to the opening day um, because it was part of the 154 Contemporary African Art Fair, uh, which was really cool. So the exhibition itself showcased the works of 11 artists uh, with their personal connections to countries um, in the Caribbean, um, in South Africa, uh, Africa and, and South America, yeah. Um, and so it was also a lot of really emotive um, contemporary pieces within there. Um, they, it was lots of multimedia, so there was film screenings and there was like performance art and there was, you know, um, lots of textiles as well, things like that. Um, so I think, you know, it was a, a really interesting way for different types of learners to engage within the mm. space. Um, the most memorable piece for I think was um, made by artist Alberta Whittle. Um, and it was a film called From the Forest to the Concrete to the Forest, um, which showed some footage of the aftermath of Hurricane uh, Dorian. Uh, and it coupled with the soundscape, right? Um, which was, you know, really looking at um, how the climate crisis disproportionately affects socially vulnerable populations, specifically in small island states. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, I think I think that I I love hearing that the the different like I guess stories behind it and also the highlighting the um, I love it when museums use some other media and forms of learning. I think it's really well. It's not only very needed. I think nowadays, especially to engage with younger um, generations and people, but I think it's just fascinating as well because like it gives us a different learning experience rather than just seeing and reading, um, but like actually hearing and, and learning in different ways. And it also makes it more accessible, which I think is really important. So Yeah, I think I think it makes it more accessible. I also I think it's really important, especially in narratives of the climate crisis, mm -hmm. that it's not just academic, like you said, accessibility, mm -hmm. right? But also yeah. that we're allowed to be uncomfortable and we're allowed to grieve. And I think art specifically does that in a way that 
not uh, I'm no other medium can, right? So like with Alberta Whittle's work, um, it was really a, you know a dramatic confrontation of British Empire and asymmetrical power systems that still remain um, and and do harm, active harm in our contemporary society. And you know, but it also has this kind of hopeful message towards um, moving the conversation towards community healing and empowerment. Um, speaking of Alberta Whittle, she's rep the representing artist for the Scottish Pavilion at the Venice Biennale um, this year. So that's going to be from the 23rd of April till the 27th of November. So highly recommend you either read about it or go to Venice, whatever you're able to do. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And the last one, I, I will make this quick, I promise. Um, I have to include it though, because it's one that I was the exhibition designer for. So it's an exhibition at the Scottish Fisheries Museum in Anstruther. Um, so in um, near St. Andrews, it's about 20 minutes um, away. Um, but it's when it rains, we harvest cuando lleve cosechamos. Um, and so that's an exhibition that's looking at the effects of El Nino um, and how it's become so much more unpredictable um, and how it also it causes devastation, but also causes abundance for like the fishing communities there. So looking at the effects of climate change um, and how people have adapted to them as well, which has been really interesting. And the way we we did that in our student exhibition was to hear from artists, to hear from researchers um, at the University of St. Andrews, and then to also hear from the people within the northern Peru region as well, so the community members. Um, so we have oral histories um, on display. You know, we have um, these school children talking about the El Nino phenomenon and how it's impacted them directly. And that's at the museum. It's playing in the background. Then we've also got, you know, objects and we have different interactives and things. So yeah, highly encourage that. It was such a fun thing to work on. It was great to hear from the artists, hear from the researchers and hear all these different perspectives, right? And how they're all working together. Yeah. Yeah, wow, that's that's really great. I'm, hold on on setting that up. Is it a permanent exhibition or? No, thank you. It is. It opened just last week and it will be on until June 19th. Okay, so for everyone who wants to see in Scotland, particularly who wants to do uh, a little outing to a really very cute Scottish town, I have to say. <laughs> do yes. check that out. I think um, that sounds that sounds amazing. So well done for setting that up. Um, now I have to go and look at it as well. <laughs> I need to plan that in somehow. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, these were great examples. And I like that you brought it in like some different ways, you know, just in terms of museum context and galleries and art and different forms of art. Um, and yeah, I think what I want to talk about a little bit next is I think something in we touched on a little bit with regards to you know communicating these really difficult messages um, of climate change, um, and I guess also the importance of making it very visible and very real because you don't want you you don't like and I think that does speak at the moment and we can see that in terms of like all of the climate strikes and extinction rebellion strikes and things like that they like really clearly say speak truth speak the truth you know people want to yeah. know what's going on and, and yeah. they don't just want sugar coating like yes I think people do want ways to get involved and to be empowered but mm. not just tell like not to just um, make it less seem less than it really yeah. is so I think that's really important but at the same time we also really um, and I think there have been quite a few surveys that have been done um, national international level around climate anxiety um sort of rising very much um, with regards to, I guess, also awareness, but also the urgency just of the climate crisis and what we can see happening in the world. So, yeah, I think what I'd, I'd love to hear some thoughts of you, you from you, you know, as someone who tries to put some of these like narratives together, um, how, how can we create the sense of agency that empowers people, but also like how to actually communicate the realities of climate change. Um, yeah, I'd just love to hear some thoughts from you about that. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the easy question. Um, <laughs> I think I think it depends a lot on, you know, the institution that you're working for, the audience that they're serving, great, because different museums serves different audiences and different communities. Um, and so each museum is its own individual. Um, 
and that we have to be kind of conscious of that as well. Um, so I don't think I can like offer like a blanket mm -hmm. statement, like yeah. this is how you do it. And it works for every single audience and it works for every single community. <laughs> and yeah. Um, no, sorry, not to put pressure no, 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 to have absolutely. a solution for all of the videos, <laughs> but I just love to hear some, yeah. But I think some thoughts, I guess. Obviously, context and setting is always important. But yeah, yeah. I think it's it's good to like have awareness and like you know what mm -hmm. to what be mind what you think is good to be mindful of. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it is good to be mindful of how each is unique though, and then you can cater it to your audience yeah. though, and to be able to cater it to your community, right? So that's what we've done. Like I think Ray Science Museum, we got the community involved. I think museums are connectors. Um, we are mediators, we are facilitators of conversations. We're able to open up our spaces and invite people in to have those discussions, right? I think that's um, mm. our social responsibility to the community to be able to do that. Um, I also think we have, you know, as like our research organization, you know, we're committed to the truth. We're committed to, you know, being able to present, you know, um, media that people can trust, right? The authenticity of a museum is very important. Um, it needs to be safeguarded. Um, and we do that by doing careful research and, and carefully considering, you know, our community and our community's needs and how we can provide with that to that. Um, I also think, you know, we talked with art museums, science museums, we acknowledging climate anxiety, acknowledging climate grief, because what other spaces are doing that right now, right? Yeah. Um, I, if not museums, where else? And I think museums are in a really good position to be able to to facilitate those conversations yeah. in, a, in a compassionate uh, mm -hmm. way. I, I think we can also kind of set ground rules for healthy dialogue and discourse. So assuming good intentions, creating safe places, um, recognizing the pitfalls as well. I think, you know, as we continue to have these conversations about climate change, they they evolve, right? So it, I don't think we have as many, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this as well. I don't think we have as many climate deniers as we have in the past, but there's a lot of climate people, people who are interested in climate delay. Um, and they use, they have all different types of, you know, discourses, you know, some say, you know, technology will save us, we just have to wait, or we only have, we can only use, you know, good incentives, we don't need to, like, take anything away for people, you know, or things like that, so I think we need to be able to recognize some of the discourses on climate delay and be able to rationalize through that and help people work through this as well yeah no I think I think you um definitely speak some truth in terms of like with regards to the fact that they are less climate deniers at least they are less present um at least in the national and international narrative I think they used to be a lot more present uh and there's a strong recognition that that's just not okay anymore and those people are not really given as much of a platform and voices anymore um hard to say if it's really i guess reduced in numbers but definitely a lot of i think there has been work done to like definitely give these people less space just because it's not based on scientific consensus right. um so and, and i think there was a lot of mistake done in the past of and by media particularly around giving um yeah, certain people, um, a lot of sort of giving sort of in that perspective of, oh, both sides need to be show giving deniers space where mm, yeah. Really, yeah, they shouldn't have been done because they're not consensus. So there was a really small percentage of them, but because they're sort of sought out almost to give another side of perspective. It, and I mean, this was also fueled a lot by um, denial think tanks um, and industry that sort of funded, um, yeah, funded a lot of, groups and climate denialism um, and sort of um, spread and yeah. so the sense of like um, uncertainty among people that is not like 100% certain yet what will happen what exactly it means um, yeah. so I think that's definitely yeah there's definitely been less of that because there's less of a recognition and also because that, like climate change has become so evident 
Yeah. Um, that people are really realizing, well, <laughs> like, I mean, you can, if you, if people see it happening in the Iraq yard, then it's kind of weird to be, yeah, having, having that denial. It's just sort of um, negated through that. But yeah, I think it's still a bit of a problem because I think the new climate denial form has almost taken that sense of um, delaying action or sort of yeah. like making it seem like it's something that is still in the future to come mm-hmm. um, and also sort of that whole discussion around oh we need more time and you can't expect all of the societal change now um, yeah. and then saying like oh we need this this amount of time to create change and it's like well the this should have been done years and years yeah. and years ago um, and I think we really at a, at a time point right now where yeah and I think you know when you're talking about this like we do need radical action and we need it now. We can't just delay it. And it's going to make a lot of people uncomfortable because change is always uncomfortable, right? And I think we have to be able to show that, right? Like museums need to show what what does decarbonization look like, right? Mm-hmm. And to be able to help people work through that because that's a community need and museums need to res- be responding to their community's needs. Mm, yeah uh, I know we, we're in such good discussion I'm like whoa <laughs> we're speeding we're, time is flying by quickly but um, yeah I don't know if you want to expand a little bit um, just on some points or key messages because I know you referred to it the um, yeah the Manchester Museum's conference that you were at um, mm-hmm. and if you want to share some I kind of key takeaway messages that you had from that maybe also like linking that with with some um, messages maybe that you have to to fellow um, museum study students around um, yeah what to do um, in in with regards to the issue of climate change and how to get involved with that um, yeah so yeah I think the first one that works mm-hmm. for both you know a takeaway that I got from this conference and for museum professionals museum students mm-hmm. um, is that there are resources out there. There are networks out there. Um, we're a very close knit community within the museum field. We have to be, um, but there's toolkits available. There are resources out there. There are networks like specifically about museums and climate change, you know, um, and so there's a support network out there for you if this is, you know, if this is the route that you take, you know, um, and hopefully this is the route that you know, museum professionals are taking because we need large systematic change. Um, but yeah, that would be my my first one. Some of the resources out there, uh, just to just so I can mention mm-hmm. a few examples, um, would be you know for setting absolute targets. You know, looking at you know your own um, assess assessing your own institutions, right? Because you can't manage what you can't measure, mm-hmm. um, and you need to be able to set goals within an institution. Um, have communication between the different departments to make sure everyone is on the same page. Um, look at your institutional values, look at your institutional mission. How how does this all embed together? Because if you're a socially responsible museum, chances are you need to be ad- addressing the climate crisis, right? Um, so yeah, looking at assessment tools, um, looking at disaster planning and risk reduction, um, and then just like day-to-day operations, what can you be doing um, to to mitigate, right? Um, yeah, so uh, one, one thing that I really like is the Climate Toolkit, which outlines 31 actionable item, um, goals for addressing climate change uh, within these different categories that museums uh, can use, um, which I thought was really fascinating, like looking through. Um, because it talks about energy, transportation, visitors, research, investments. So like all the different aspects of museum work. Um, what goals can you take in each of those aspects to, to further uh, make a more sustainable museum? Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I think it's so <laughs> important that they are like to to have a look. And I think also that the fact that there are resources out there to, you know, it's not, um, yeah, that there's, that there's ways to like actually just go about it and and there's stuff out there already but people we need more people I suppose to like try and really bring this forward and and um, bring this narrative into 
uh, more museums and I guess also mainstreaming it because I mean correct me if I'm wrong but from my understanding it's not really um, in the mainstream of like um, museums maybe that's changing uh, I don't know <laughs> maybe you can respond to that if you think climate change and discussion around them becoming more into the mainstream or what would you say to that I think there's definitely been a, a, a shift within the museum field within the UK that I'm, I'm speaking directly about because, you know, each different nation and different cultures have different uses of museums and, and you know, how they recognize the social responsibility of museums. But within the UK, you know, the Museums Association has made a toolkit talking about the climate crisis and as the um, accreditation overarching umbrella institution uh, for museums, they have a lot of sway and they have a lot of power and they're also able, you know, they're funding bodies as well, right? Because museums are looking for grants, they're looking for things where those, if they're specifically for the climate crisis or looking at sustainable development, those are really helpful as well um, for, for, you know, changing the museum's perspective, you know, and then the community perspective, right? Um, but yeah, I would, yeah, I, I would say there has been a shift. I kind of shout out to my own program here at St. Andrews as well. Um, the Museums uh, and Gallery Studies Imlet program, which is what I'm a part of, they have, um, I believe we have two or three lectures alone specifically on museums and the climate crisis. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, great. and we have like uh, Creative Carbon Scotland is coming in for a talk and we're reviewing these procedures and we're looking at us as individuals um, within an institution. Once we once we've graduated, we go into these institutions. OK, how do we create collective power? to be able to to create institutional change if it's not if it's not if into further the conversation right mm -hmm. so yeah. yeah no that's so that's really great to hear and I'm, I'm it's really exciting to hear sort of that narrative changing as well and the initiatives around that and also I guess the strategic overlook around you know what museums mm -hmm. actually have to consider nowadays um, and yeah so that's that's really and like it could be faster right it's yeah it's and it, it's not all museums, you know, but I'm, I'm hopeful at least. Okay, yeah, no, no that's, that's good. That's good to hear. Um, something else I wanted to ask you before we um, start concluding, I wanted to know sort of what is the, because I think there's a lot we can learn about communication, especially from, uh, from museums and from museum professionals. So I don't know, is there a message that you would like to share with environmentalists or even just concerned citizens around like, communicating climate um yeah messages around climate change um and sort of what they can do yeah i think they're doing so much thank you <laughs> first off to all the environmentalists and all the scientists who you know we're taking their work and we're trying to share it out into the world um yeah i think you know keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Um, and um, but, you know, the way museums interpret that that research and 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 give it to the audience to facilitate those conversations is that we're, you know, we're trying to approach it from for all different kinds of learners. The arts and culture sector can make accessible concepts that might be inaccessible for some. So if we can be the middle person in between these researchers with these complicated, you know, um, academic, you know, concepts and, you know, be able to digest that and then like be able to share it with a wider audience, you know, and not only through just like text, right, but also through informal teaching methodologies. So like social emotional learning, which we've hit upon um, with like the emotive storytelling processes. Um, we use, you know, inquiry based learning as well within galleries. Um, so asking questions and getting an active participation started, um, you know, and then there's also things like um, tactile learning that happens, you know, like science museums and, and botanical gardens, even things like that. Those are, you know, museums as well. Um, and then, you know, visual sparking imagination. Yeah. So the emotive learning and growing empathy, um, you know, that's that's how we're going to change hearts and minds is, is through that way. But yeah, environmentalists yeah. keep doing what you're doing. Talk to us. We want to talk. We want to learn about your stuff and share it with everyone else. 
Yeah, no, I think that's so so important to have sort of that, um, yeah, that message out there and to really support each other. I think that's really important to have um, hopefully also more um, museums and spaces that have voices, I guess, in society portray, uh, yeah, activist voices, scientist voices around concerns of climate change um, and also share stories of um, people that are being affected by climate change. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that's really important and using using those narratives and using art as, as ways to communicate messages and as ways to really bring it to people's hearts. I think that's that's really um, important. And yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to sort of see this field develop further in the future as well. Um, but yeah, just to conclude off, would you want to share um, you know, where do you see the future um, of museums in, in communicating and being part of these societal shifts? And um, yeah, I don't know, is there something particular that gives you hope with regards to to helping drive this change with within the sector? Yeah, um, I'm really hopeful because of all the amount of resources and networks that are out there, right? Um, as a, a museum professional, I'm hopeful about being supported and, and being able to to work towards change um, and, and see, you know, what we can do. Um, you know, there's this conference in Manchester um, in, the, I believe, gosh, in like a end of the month, I'll be taking part of the Green Museums Summit is coming up as well. So there's another one where we're having, you know, museum professionals are, are coming together to speak about this and to support each other. Um, yeah, so I think the grassroots movement within museums is is really gearing up. The grass movements change towards um, cl climate action and how we can use mobilize our our public and our communities, um, and then also how we can uh, be role models ourselves with internal change. because so, it's external and internal change that we're working towards, right? And um, we want to promote it with our communities, but also internally have those practices set up. Um, and then, yeah, I think um, I'm really excited with how much institutional transparency um, there is around talking about the climate action because we're trying to be a role model to, you know, to to work towards this. Um, I think I think we are as a field becoming more and more transparent about that in our strategic planning and we're sharing. It's a, it's a very that's the one thing I love most about museum studies is that there's no museum is competing with another museum because we all have our own different communities. We all have our own specialties. It's we're not competing. You know, we can collaborate completely, you know, and I think that's such a wonderful thing. I think that gives me hope and I think that gives me hope for the, the climate crisis and how we can address it as well. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much for for sharing that and for your time um i know there's been a really long discussion so thank you for all the listeners who've who've um sticked with us and um i'm really encourage you to check out um yeah some of the resources that you know, kate that you mentioned um and um yeah i'll try like link one of two things um in the description box and also refer them to to your web page where i'm sure that i can find a lot of other resources as well um but yeah i just want to thank you so much for for what you do in your work and then um for taking the time to speak today and to share that and uh, yeah raise raise awareness about i guess this field and these opportunities on on how we can communicate climate change and um how we can look for solutions together and really i guess collaborate across sectors and across um society for this shift and for these changes um and and i think that's something also that excites me around you know how can we bring these different narratives together and and drive change and um, because we need it coming from every part of society and um and i think um yeah it's, it's good to hear that that there are things that are happening and, and changing and um yeah hopefully i'm gonna i'm gonna try and check out some of the things that you mentioned as well with regards to museums and exhibitions that are doing some yeah showcasing some of that um narrative so i'm excited about that and um yeah, thank you so much for being here. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, come down to Anstruther and come see our, our exhibition anytime. We'd love to have you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do so. I'll let you know. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. Um, have a 
great rest of your day and to our listeners too. <laughs> and um, yeah, thanks. And let's keep working together on this because I think there's there's a lot of hope in in uh, in working together and in collaborating. And I think um, you know that's how we're going to achieve things and change things in the world um, through through collaboration, through working together, and um, yeah, having citizens sort of move and create change. So. Yeah, okay. Let's do it. Let's mobilize museums. Let's go. <laughs>